So I am really excited. Today we are kicking off a new series. We should be on this for the next couple, maybe two, three weeks. And I just really feel like the Lord has been showing me uh, the, the breakthrough that we need to happen in our nation, in our schools, in our communities, in our towns, in our churches. Everything hinges on the family. Do you all know how important family is? And how much value God places on family? And so we are going to be talking about family matters. Y'all say that with me. Family matters. Y'all sound alive and waking good this morning. And really this message is, it means two things. It's twofold. Because family is important. It matters. We all play a role. We have a part to play in each family that God has blessed us with. But also because family is important, we also have issues, family matters, that arise, right? And because family is important, the scheme of the enemy, the devil, the enemy, the world has a scheme against what God calls holy, and he'll use family matters to break up what God has ordained. We hurt the people that we love with our words. We're going to talk about words today. We, we, we get offended, right? Things happen, amazing things you can never think or comprehend. Somebody you love and trust the most does something to hurt you the worst, right? And so we have a physical family, which we're going to talk about, but then there's also another family that God wants to bless us with, which we call our forever family, right? A forever family, a church, a, a home church. If you don't have a home church, this message is going to inspire you to, to find one. I hope it's Liberty Church. If it's not, I will personally help you find a home church. I know some good pastors. I know some good churches in our area. Amen? But I hope and pray you feel called here as we want you. Amen? And so that's what we're going to really be talking about, and I'm really excited with what God wants to, 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 to show us about what He says about our families and what He says about the church family. Amen? Our families and the church family, the church, right now is under attack like it never has been. The world is against your family family, and the world is against the church house. I know each and every one of you belong to a family. I know there is no perfect family. Some of us had a great family. Some of us had a rough family. It doesn't matter. Each and every one of us have a family, and each and every one of you, if you want, has a church family just waiting for you to come. Come on. Come on. And the reason I say that is because if we're all gathered here today, bringing our families together to join our church family together to hear a message today, if the enemy is trying to destroy our family, y'all, that means for you and me, that's a family matter. Y'all going to fight with me? Family matters. We sit around the table and talk about family matters. And so we're going to sit around and talk about how we fight the enemy. Right? How can we take our families back for his glory? How can we take our schools back for his glory? Right? So let's look at, let's look at the scriptures. Our foundational scripture we're going to use. Excuse me. It comes out of Gen Genesis 1, 27 through 28. Right? It says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them, male and female. So there's just two sexes, correct? Oh, I'm just checking. Give that to you for free. 
Two sexes in Jesus' name. Verse 28, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful. If you're following along in your Bible, I want you to underline that. Be fruitful and multiply. Underline that. Be fruitful, excuse me, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and govern it. I want you to underline that. God says, be fruitful, multiply, and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. God created family. At first, it was just Adam and Adam and God. God saw it wasn't good for man to be alone, so he gave him a helper. Right? And God, through Adam and Eve, the first ever family was created. And so God created family, and together he declares family to be fruitful, to, to work hard, and enjoy the blessings of your work. Be fruitful in your work. Be fruitful in your ministry. Be fruitful in your hope and in your promise and in the word of God. He says be fruitful, and then he says to multiply. Make a family. Define who you are. Me and Pastor Jessica, we, we, we talk about the Westbrooks. We define who the Westbrooks are. First, who God says the Westbrooks are. And then what are we going to do to stand out? What, what makes the Westbrooks the Westbrooks? Be fruitful and multiply. And he says, and then rule and govern and reign. God wants the family to be fruitful, to multiply, and to reign in the earth, in creation. God knows we can do more, somebody say more, with others than we can alone. God wants to surround you with people who love and care about you and I want to help you. Liberty Church wants to help you. Your family, no matter what it looks like, I'm talking about your real family that you go home to, they love and care about you, I promise. And they want to help you. Mom and dad, kids, if they're getting on to you, this is because they, want, they love you and they want to help you. They're not trying to tell you what to do. Right? They want to help you. God knows that we can do more when we surround ourselves with more, with others. Right? Look at that extra scripture I want to give you, Genesis 2.18. I already said it. But the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Somebody say alone. Not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And so I know we're talking specifically about Adam, but it, it, it matters to you and me today. If you are doing life alone, the enemy's going to have his way with you. Your thoughts will have their way with you. Your own thoughts of doubt and discouragement and depression and I'm not good enough. And you will be your own worst enemy if you continue to do life alone. And so, and I know starting new relationships, even checking out a new church is a big deal. It's, it can be uncomfortable. It's, 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 it's a major deal. I got to meet some new people. Some people are better at it than others. But I promise you, God wants to surround you with the right people. Amen. He does because he loves and cares about you. And he wants to do that for you and for me and for each and every one of us. He's no respecter of persons, right? So let's look at that first point. As we kind of lay this out, I, I really felt like this is a great starting place for us as we kick this off. And so I want you to know that the foundation stone of all society is the family. Think about society, everything that it touches. Our governments, even entertainment if you want, each and everything. God says is supposed to be orchestrated by the family. 
Before there was a community school, a government, God created the family. Somebody say family. We now have a wonderful world of communities, schools, businesses, and governments all from the family. Here's the thing. God's design, God's original plan for the, fam- for the family was intended, somebody say intended, to shape the world around us. That's the original plan. Our families are supposed to shape the world around us. But what has happened in the core of the family? God is being lost. God is the, the, the foundation of who God is is not being passed on. Kids are not being trained up in the ways that they should go. We have Netflix raising our kids. We have crazy left-wing government ideas raising our kids in our schools. And folks, if we don't wake up and see the value that God has placed in the family and us take care of our families first by ourselves, it's not going to get any better. And so God has given you a place of power, a place of authority in your family. And so if you're here, it means you're probably hungry for some truth. Does anybody want some truth in Jesus' name? You can't find it anywhere out there. I promise you, at Liberty Church, every Sunday, you'll get some truth. And our families are supposed to shape our worlds. And our world's being shaped by the devil. Hey, and he's never going to give up. As long as we're here, he's going to be doing what he's doing. But are you going to sit back and watch it all go burn and, and go to hell, literally to hell? Or are you going to fight for your kids and your grandkids? And what are they going to say about you when they bury you one day? What kind of legacy of faith are you going to leave? When you die, you pass the torch of life. What God's done in and through you. And what he wants to keep doing that's going to outlive you. Have you done anything for Jesus that's going to outlive you? We do that through the family. Do you talk about Jesus with your kids? I hope so. I hope the only, the only time your kids are hearing about Jesus is if it's on Sunday at Liberty Church, that's not good. I'm glad they're here. But your kids need to hear you talk about Jesus and what Jesus has done for you and what he's doing for you. Amen? Look at Ephesians 1.5. It said, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ That is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Look at Ephesians 2.19. It says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Is anybody of pure Jewish blood here this morning? Anybody? That'd be cool if we had somebody. Okay, so I just say that to say we are all Gentiles. Not one of us was born of pure Jewish blood. If you read the Old Testament, God's promises was only for the Jewish people. Jesus Christ, based on what he has done, has offered a seat at God's table with your name on it. Only because of Jesus. He calls you holy. He calls you righteous. He literally, it says in Romans, he adopted you into the family of God. Into a forever family if you want, to be, if you want one. And see, a lot of us had messed up real families. So how much more important is it that God wants to bless you with a church family to help fill in those gaps of life that you've experienced? 
because you feel alone and you feel discouraged. Maybe you've been through some stuff. My family was far from perfect. I've been through some stuff. And God wrecked my life because of Liberty Church. I was still living in Michigan, right? Y'all know my story, a lot of you. Bound in addiction. Little did I know he wanted to transplant me literally from Michigan to a place called Arab, Alabama, where Liberty Church had a men's home back in 2011. Welcomed me and didn't know me from Adam. Loved me. Encouraged me. Loved me where I was. But loved me enough not to keep me there. Come on, somebody. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think I'd be at some crazy pastor in some crazy place called Holly Pond, Alabama. But I'm thankful. God supplied me with a forever family that had my back before I even knew I needed my back having. Right? Does that sound country? Is that how we say it in Holly Pond? Right? Bless, bless me, yes. Bless me, Lord. Look at that next point. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. So as believers in Jesus Christ, we also have a spiritual family. We call it our forever family. We did a message about a year ago titled just that, right? Forever family. Y'all, and that, that foundational uh, message and in, in, in the, in the scriptures and what we use, I still hear people say that, becomes part of, that has become part of our culture here at Liberty Church. And I love that. God met us where we were, right? People latched onto that, grabbed hold of that. And God's family is just forever. It is just that. It's forever. Even if you was to leave the church and find another church, when we die and pass away one day, we're going to spend eternity with Jesus, I hope, right? And that's a forever family. It wants to be forever with you while you're here, and then it's forever with us when God calls us home. And so it's forever family. When, when you fell down, when you messed up, your forever family is supposed to surround you and help you and encourage you. And when you're doing good, your forever family applauds you and cheers you on and, and climbs that mountain with you, right? And so we have a physical family, but we also have a spiritual family that is, is equally important. I don't want to say more important because they're, they're right there. We need healthy, real families to take back our world for the glory of God. And we need healthy Church families to take back the glory of God. There's no perfect family. Are there some, some great families doing it right? Yes. Praise Jesus. Are there some terrible families doing it totally wrong? Yes. Are there some great churches doing it right? Yes. I hope we're one of them. Are there some bad churches doing it wrong? Yes. And that's a problem we have to deal with too is we're inviting people into our church. People have had some bad church experiences. Come on, somebody. Any amens on that? And so if you get hurt at a church... It may take you five years before you ever step foot in another one. So if somebody steps foot in our church, I know y'all are going to love on them. Right? It may be the last time they ever step foot in the church. That breaks my heart. People are lost, starving for truth. And if they take the time to get ready to get their family and come to church, y'all, we better love on them. And speak truth to them. And welcome them with open arms. Right? We need a spiritual family because every one of us desires acceptance on the inside. We need a place where we feel accepted. We need a place that we feel called to, a place that I can, I can buy into and feel like I own it. I need a place where I can spiritually grow and be taught the word of God. Now, this is the responsibility of the local church. 
This is the responsibility of the local church. Amen. Look at that next point. So like I said, there's no such thing as a perfect family. You're natural or you're spiritual, but the family is perfectly designed by God to be the foundation stone of the society. We can, on purpose, intentionally, live for a perfect God. We don't chase perfection, but we chase progress. Right? There's no perfect family, but a church has to know that the perfect standard was set by Jesus, right? No one else will and ever come back and attain that standard that Jesus set. We, we got to tell ourselves that. I can't be perfect. I miss it. I mess up. But as long as I'm steady moving in the right direction, following Jesus, and I'm seeing progress in my spiritual life on a daily basis, God is working and moving in and through my life. Right? And that's what God wants to do in our families and through the church family so that people are hearing truth, looking to Jesus, trusting in Jesus, reading their word, going to small groups, going to church, doing all these things, right? So that God's people are getting, <laughs> becoming more and more healthy on a daily basis because the world is in an unhealthy state. Mentally, physically, emotionally, there's one thing COVID showed me. There's one thing I learned about COVID in the last year and a half is it has revealed the state of our nation. How's, how mentally unstable we really are. How lost people really are. And it's only further divided us. And Jesus, through the church, wants to bridge that gap. And I know that sounds and looks like a lot of work because it is. I'm just being honest. But how do we fight in a different way to where the people on the other side of the aisle will receive Christ? Because that's what he wants to do. We can't fight the way they fight. Jesus said, love your enemies. That's a tough one. We have to love our enemies and bless our enemies into the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. When's the last time you blessed an enemy into the kingdom of God? That's what God is calling us to do. Look at that next point. And so I, I want to say this. Our spiritual family and our physical families are both highly important, but one cannot be a substitute for the other. Okay? I know some of us had some messed up families, and the church can't totally substitute what you missed out on in your family family, but what it does do is it, it supplements to the family. It supplements what, what you missed. It, it makes it stronger. It comes alongside and it strengthens those dead, broken areas. And it strengthens even those good things. Right? It, it supplements. Right? And so our spiritual family, it helps fill in those gaps, those 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 places of life, right? Meet the needs and provide spiritual resources that may not have been available in every family. And so because there's no perfect family, that also means many of us came from a broken family. And so I want to say this, God is not the reason you had a terrible family. Sin is the reason you had a terrible family. When Adam and Eve fell and they chose sin over God, that moment 
Sin was passed down forever until Christ comes back. And so it is either your parents or your grandparents or whoever raised you. I don't know. It breaks my heart. But they were chasing sin. And another thing we don't think about, how was their upbringing? Maybe they had a bad upbringing too. And so they're just, see, do you see this vicious cycle of death that the enemy has taken and run with? See, if he ruins one family or, or, or one little girl, one little boy, it, it's, it's bigger than just that one little boy or little girl. It ruins the next family and then the next family. And then the next, do you see this? And so God, he wants to do the exact same thing, but flip it. He wants you to come, be born again and experience the truth of God so that you can break the curse. It can start with you. I'm so thankful that Xander's freedom started with me. It's nothing that I did. It's what God did through me. But I know he's not going to have to fight the same battles I did. He's already have, he already has a lot of victories passed down. Now, he is still going to have to choose. But y'all, me and, me and mom are going to make it hard. <laughs> We're going to make it hard. Because we love them. And that's the thing the world tells you is if someone tells you truth or something you don't agree or something that hurts, then it's not right. Truth hurts. Right? Truth hurts, but it's necessary. God, he wants to use the church and our forever family to bridge those gaps of life that a lot of us have experienced. That's why we do so many things. That's why we have five-minute video announcements every single Sunday because we have so many things going on in the church. We have small groups. We have Celebrate Recovery on Tuesday nights and Fridays nights, right? We have uh, merge conferences and encounter weekends and all these things, all designed to what? Bridge that gap of brokenness in people's lives. To bridge from death, from death, from dead to, to, to the life, to, to, to truth. To joy, from depression to joy, from doubt to faith, right? This is how the church does that. And so if you don't have a spiritual family, y'all, come see me. I, I, I will help you. If it's not Liberty Church, I will help you find one that has your back. Amen. Look at that next point. It's in our families where we discuss, that's what I want to talk about is our identity in Christ. How important the family is in helping us focus on what our true identity is. It says, it's in our families where we discover our identity. The most influential voice in the life of a child is its family. Parents, grandparents, siblings, brothers, sisters, cousins, whoever it is in the family. I think there's a statistic that I read or heard that says a child of the age of three already knows if it's loved or not. It has that innate ability to know if it's been loved for, cared for, if it's been nurtured. How amazing at three. Just at three years old. It has that ability to know. Maybe a lot of us grew up not feeling loved. We bought that lie that no one loves us. Maybe a lot of us bought that lie and used that lie even to blame God. Nobody loves me because, God, you didn't give me the right family. or You didn't give me the cool stuff that all the kids at school had. and I went to school poor and I didn't have all this stuff and people made fun of me. 
that was not God's fault. You just didn't have anybody explain your identity. First and foremost, we have to find our identity in Christ because our identity after we come to know Jesus is lost in Him. But in the family, we have the ability to declare identity. Did you know that the family has the power to declare identity in the household? You have the power to declare who your kids are. The gifts and talents and the anointing that God has placed inside them. God has ordained the family to declare identity in the family. We do that on a regular basis, don't we? Little Xander, he got a, uh, one of those cool little basketball goals for his birthday. He turned one, you know. And I'm like, I don't know if this is a present for like, grown-ups or for kids. I play with it just as much as he does. <laughs> I shoot it from the, from the floor and he goes and gets it for me. But, uh, you know, he didn't quite understand how to put the ball into the basket at first. He just liked the balls. But one day I sat down and I taught him and I showed him how to put it in there. And when he put it in there, we just began to praise him. And clapping. He loved that so much he was just started clapping. We're like, we're so proud of you. We're like, we're like so amazed that our kid is so smart. And we, we, we call how smart he is all the time. We just, we love you. We're so proud of you. In that moment, he has never forgot how to do it. He goes and grabs that ball. He smashes it. And then he turns around and looks for us to, to applaud him. And I just say, you know, that's going to be part of his identity. How we respond when he does what he's supposed to. Or when he does something good or something amazing. Praise your kids in public. Right? You know what I know the most amazing thing? What that does to Xander on the inside. But as he gets older and he has the revelation of, of, of and he gets smarter and realizes what's, what's really going on in the world, and we begin to raise him in the, the word and the truth of God. We are going to do that same type of praising on Jesus Christ. Whenever Jesus Christ does a slam dunk in the Westbrook family, we're going to give him some praise. So that he sees that we know what we believe in and where that blessing or where that gift came from. Because it was Jesus that did it. Was it something dad did or something mom did? No, Xander. We're blessed and we have all these things because Jesus has our back. It's all because of Jesus, Xander, you're blessed. And you're Xander, which means literally defender of men. Mitchell, which means who's like God. That's who you are, Xander, and you're, you're smart, and, and you're amazing, and you're wise, and I don't see one flaw in you. But if you don't give your life to Jesus, it's all for naught, Xander. That's going to be a tough conversation to have with my son, but I know it's real because that's what God did for me. And if I didn't pass that knowledge on, shame on me. Right? Because I believe in something bigger. Now, he'll have to choose or reject that truth but he's going to hear that truth till he leaves our house. Amen? That's the importance that we as a family have to speak life into our kids. So I hope you see that and recognize that this morning. Look at Proverbs 18.21, a quick verse, right? Y'all know it, right? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Your words have power. Your words have power. I'm going to talk here in a moment about how your words can either build up or they can cut down. And so we're not perfect. I'm probably going to say some things that will hurt Xander in the future. I'm, hopefully nothing I do on purpose. But words can either build us up 
or they can tear us down. And your words have power. If you are maybe a new believer, a new Christian, and you're struggling with the right words to say, if you can't say the right words or speak life, you have to start with your thoughts. You can't begin to say the right things if you can't first think the right things. The Bible says, be renewed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed, excuse me, by the renewing of your mind. And so the, the crazy thing about words and how they have power is when you begin to speak your thoughts, now you give life to that thought. Your words give life to thoughts. It's how we frame our worlds. And once you say that thought, you can never, somebody say never, take it back. Ever. Once it's spoken, it is out there. And that's the most crazy, scariest thing of the, the social media day age that we live in now, right? You ever begin to post something on something? The Holy Spirit's like, don't do that. Do not do that. Because once it's out there, and now they're actually using it against people to fire people, it's crazy. I know that sounds kind of shallow, but in the spiritual aspect of things, when you say something, it either builds up somebody that you love or it cuts somebody that you love down. We can do it on purpose. A lot of times we can do it even on accident. That's one thing I've learned about becoming a pastor. Man, I offend a lot of people. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I did not mean to do that. Or so that was not my intention at all. And if you're like sitting there, man, you've never offended me, Pastor Ian, just wait. I got a couple fans in the house maybe. Just wait. I'll offend you. And what does the enemy do with that offense? He wants to run with it. To get you outside of the will of God. I'm so thankful for those that I have offended. They've been mature enough. They always come see me. It's not a comfortable conversation. But once you talk, it's like, that's not what I meant. It's, it's like God makes that relationship even stronger. Right? So look at that next point. So that's what I want you to see. As a family, our words shape identity. Uh, and your family's self-image is shaped by the re repetition of your words. What we many times may think is funny is actually very damaging. Because our words have power. Our words have power. Words matter. And I'm preaching to myself here because I grew up in a very uh, sarcastic family. And Pastor Jessica, she did not grow up in a sarcastic family at all. Everything was just as it is. And so this is something that God is purifying in my life. And, you know, I, I say things that I think are funny sometimes just for the sake of, you know, at the end of the day that I think is funny and I find out if it hurts her, that's terrible. Right? That's something that we've had to work on and that I, I'm still working on. And so that's, that's a marriage dynamic, but the same dynamic can happen in your kids. You see it all the time. Dads or grandpas. They're trying to build their sons up. You know, maybe they played a game or they didn't do so good and they'll crack a joke. And for the sake of cracking a joke, and really what you're doing is you're cutting the kid. You're cutting not just their identity, you're cutting who they are and they feel less than. And what the dad or the grandpa meant to do is actually doing the exact opposite. Right? And so our words matter. We can't take back what we say. And just, just think as I just shared, each and every one of us right now could probably think back to a moment somebody said something over our lives that hurt us. 
Maybe that phrase or that statement or that word or whatever it was that was spoken over you, maybe you're still dealing with that every single day. How powerful is that? So if each and every one of us can think back to a moment where we were cut with words, how much more important is it that we have to see that we can do that same thing, that same thing that you've battled with, that you're battling with, now you're giving and passing that on to somebody else who doesn't deserve to have to fight that same battle. Right? That's the biggest lie we ever tell our kids is, you know, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never. That's the biggest lie. Words are the most powerful thing. And you have the authority to speak love and speak life and celebrate your family. Right? Look at Ephesians 6.4. It says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in training and admonition of the Lord. Colossians 3.21, it says pretty much the same thing. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Parents, we never want to belittle our kids for the sake of a sarcastic joke or two-second laugh, especially in public. It's in a public place. You never, ever do that in a public setting. You always praise in public. You discipline in private. Discipline in private, unless they're getting super out of hand. You know, like in Walmart, you've done warn them four times. I'm going to spank you if you keep doing that. Yeah, sometimes you need to maybe spank them in public to, so that they get it. But what I'm talking about is with our words. You always, no matter what, praise them in public. And if you have something that does have to be addressed, you do that in private. And they'll receive it, I promise you. They'll receive it. Look at that next point. And so the importance of our words helps shape identities. We as families can call our families what they are, and we can claim what our, our, the home church that we belong to, what it is and what it's doing. And so the importance of the identity is it's literally the well from which we draw our self-worth. Your identity is that important. What's the importance of a well? You need water to drink. You need water to live, right? Your identity is what you need to live in peace, live in joy, live in power, to live in confidence. And I don't mean in an arrogant way. I mean a confidence and, and peace and joy and hope and, and who you are in Christ and, and who you are as a person. That's how important it is. And as a parent, we are the chief sculptor in your child's life. As you sculpt, are you sculpting confidence and boldness? Or are you sculpting insecurities and fear? We just wrapped up a series, The Crushing, right? How we use Jeremiah and the potter's wheel. And how God said, if, how can I not just crush you just as the potter did and begin to start over, molding and shaping your life? And as parents, we kind of have that same responsibility. It's a delegated responsibility from God to help come alongside God as he's molding and shaping our kids and what he wants them to be, but he wants us to be part of that process. And so how are you molding and shaping your kids? Are you depositing truth? Are you depositing love? Are you depositing all these things? Like the New King James Version, I believe it's Proverbs, maybe like 27, I'm not sure, you have to go home and look it up. It says, as a man thinketh, so he is, so is he. 
And so as we think that we are, that's what I begin to become. Behold. It, it becomes my identity. And it's super important, super vital that we are raising them and molding them and shaping them and growing them into a place where they can succeed. Amen? Because if a man thinketh so, so is he, what I think about myself matters. Right? And what I think about myself is most likely probably directed because of what somebody said. Did you track with me just now? As a man thinketh, so is he. So what I think matters, and what I may think about myself may be because of what somebody once said. My identity is important. My words are important. God wants to use the family to speak what is as is. God says, you are a child of God. You are a child of the Most High. I've blessed you. I've given you gifts, talents. I've anointed you for a special purpose. I want to use you. I love you. I see you. I formed you and fashioned you in your mother's womb. You are more than a conqueror. Right? This is the identity of God that he calls in each and every child of God. Righteousness because of Christ. Kingship because your father is a king. If your father's a king, what does that make you? Prince, prince royalty. That makes you royalty. We should live like it. We should sound like it. We should demonstrate it. Because you know, like when the prince and the prince are out in the town, they act pretty put together, right? If we really believe that Jesus has done these things, I need to not just act like it, I need to, to believe it and be it. I heard somebody say once, you know, we have so many Christians just acting like Christians. <laughs> Stop acting like a Christian and be one. Amen? Just be what God has done for you. And be what God has done for you for your kids. Right? So what are you sculpting with your thoughts, with your words, over yourself, over your kids, over your life, over your job, over your family, over your church? What types of things are you making? Are you sculpting? Because that's the world you live in. Look at that next point. We got that point and then one more quick point. This is the most profound thing that I realized, is we reproduce what we are, not what we want. Good intentions are never good enough. Something has to change for that to be reproduced and manifested in the kingdom of God. We reproduce what we are and where we're at, not where we want to be. Right? Right? This is why you need a spiritual family because we all know we were created for more. At the end of the day, when everybody is going to die and pass away one day, I believe it's going to be evident that they're going to realize, you know what, life is more than just getting up, going to work, paying the bills, maybe going to work that job that I don't like, sitting on the couch, channel surfing. Is that an old school terminology now? I guess we, what, what are you, scrolling on our phones, what's a, I don't know. And it's going to be like, at the end of the day, was that all life was? And God's going to be like, yeah. Life is so much more. I don't want to be that person that has so many regrets. Oh, I could have done so many different things. 
with Xander or my wife or all those times the Holy Spirit nudged me and I, I, I shied away. Life is so much more. And that's why we need a spiritual family to remind us of that every Sunday or every Wednesday night at small group, every Friday night at Celebrate Recovery because life is more. Your life was bought for, paid for, ransomed by the Son of God. Your life is not your own anymore if you believe in that. But that's actually what brings you life. Jesus says those who find their life will have to lose it for my name's sake to find life. We can't reproduce life unless we're alive in Christ. <laughs> you are, you reproduce what you are. You can't reproduce life, a life-giving relationship, a life-giving marriage, a life-giving ministry. If you're not alive in Christ, what did Jesus say? Apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm merely the vine, you are merely the branches. What is a branch a part of? A tree. Does it make that branch not a tree? The branch is a part of the tree. So if you're born again in Christ, yeah, you are still, you are still Shondor. But you are a part of the vine of Christ. You're alive in Christ. You're Shondor, but you're a part of the member of my body. Right? That's how it works. And you can only reproduce life if you're alive in that truth. That last point. Our spiritual family reconnects us to our original. Somebody say original. Original identity. Your true identity is found only in Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the church. That's the purpose of the forever family. When you're busted, broke, disgusted, you're going through something tough, the church says, somebody comes alongside you, you know what? You are a child of God. You can do this. You can get through this. This may seem tough. It may seem hard. God's got you. God's, what can I do to help you? You're a part of this family. You're a member of this body. I want to help you. I want to come alongside you. Your identity is not what the world has told you that you are. Your identity is not what Facebook tells you that you are. Your identity is not what CNN tells you that you are. Your identity is in Christ. And he said when he died on the cross that he died for each and every person, no matter race, creed, religion, whatever. And at the end of the day, we're all going to answer to our creator based on that fact. What did you do with the son that I gave? And if you have proof in your faith of what you did because of what you said you believed in, God's going to say, enter in, my good and faithful servant. Enter in to my forever family. We're going to have LCHP in the corner. Uh, come on! Come on, Marshall! Come on, Marshall! You made it, buddy, boy! We love you! Come celebrate with Jesus! Right? Come on, Sean! Let's do this thing. He's going to be leading worship in heaven. All because your forever family encouraged you and helped you here. Then they're going to be awaiting you when you enter into the gates of heaven one day. How amazing, how awesome. Right, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities. Somebody say realities. Of heaven. Do you know heaven's reality? Where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share, somebody say share, in all his glory. We share in his death, and we share in his glory. 
We share in his, his life and we share in his blessings. We share in his, his, his faith and we share in his promises. I want to skip down to Colossians 3, 5 through 17 for time's sake. Christ came to share his identity. Christ came to share his identity with you. Look at verse 15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Our families are called to live in peace. At home, and our families in the church house are called to live in peace. Live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each and every one with the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord. Giving thanks through him to God the Father. Your identity is in Christ. So your identity and who you are matters. But this is what I want you to get. If you believe in Christ, your identity is really hinged on remembering whose you are. Whose you are. You need to know who you are, but you need to know whose you are. Amen? What God has done for you. He's trying to bridge the gap in your life every single day to give you more peace, to give you more joy, to give you more hope. He wants you to know that you're his. See, but our God's a gentleman. He's never going to infringe on your rights to believe or doubt. Your free will. So I want you to do something for me. Y'all join me in prayer. If you are a born-again believer, you know the Lord as your Savior, I want you right now to begin to pray for the lost. Right now. Maybe you know somebody lost. And as I'm talking about the importance of your identity and the importance of knowing not just who you are, but whose you are, if you're here today in our sanctuary, you do not know the Lord as your personal Savior. Maybe you're joining us, watching us online. You do not know the Lord as your personal Savior. Right now, I want to change that. You have probably believed a lie about yourself. You think you're this way and you're not. Somebody said something over you and you believe that. I want to tell you right now that no matter what, what you've done, if you're engulfed in sin, if you're engulfed in drugs and alcohol or pornography or you're engulfed in selfishness and pride or whatever it is, wherever you are right now and the Lord is not your Savior, God still loves you. He loves you. But He needs to forgive you. And the only way He can forgive you is if you accept that you're not God. You have to accept that God sent His Son for the forgiveness of your sins. So if you're here today and you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, right now I want you to do something for me. It's super easy. No one's watching you. No one's looking at you. We're actually all praying for you right now. I want you to do this. I want you just to stand up. Just stand up all over this building. If you want to say, you know what, I hear you, Pastor. I want to get right with God right now. This is your moment. I want you to stand up. Why do I have to stand up? you got to stand because God wants to know and see that you've heard the message. He wants to know that you got that text message, that it went through. That you hear him speaking to you and tugging, nudging and tugging on your heartstrings this morning. He wants you to stand up, amen. If you're watching online, I want you to put it in the chat. Say, hey, I'm standing up. Or put up a hand, raise the emoji, whatever you want to do. Say, I'm accepting Christ right now. I'm going to give you a few more seconds.
Well, church, someone could be accepting Christ online, and I can't see that. So what I want to do is I want to lead us all into a prayer. I want you to repeat after me, okay? It's going to go like this, loud and proud. So, Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We accept your son, Jesus, and it's in him we believe that we can be saved, set free, and redeemed. Because I believe that, I now confess that. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior over my life. Holy Spirit, help me. Lead me and guide me from this day forward until you call me home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good stuff. Heaven rejoices when one soul comes home, amen. Any prodigal sons and daughters in the house? Amen. So awesome. Well, we're so glad y'all came to church with us. Okay. Did anybody glad you came to church today? A bunch of you? Awesome. Well, hey, we're glad you came too, okay? Y'all are dismissed. Come back and see us.